fellow listeners, and welcome back to another episode of The Donut of Destiny, the podcast on all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Praveen Ranganath, and I'm a radiologist from Dallas, Texas. On today's episode, we will be discussing a recently published sub-analysis of the Evaporate trial called Evaporate FFRCT. Briefly for our listeners out there, the Evaporate trial was a randomized control trial evaluating the impact of ethyl on imaging biomarkers of coronary atherosclerosis. In short, the initial results were published in 2019 and 2020 and suggested a favorable impact of ethyl on coronary plaque burden. Now, with this impact on anatomy in mind, the investigators then asked, what is the impact of ethyl on coronary physiology as assessed by CT? All right, before we get into that question, as well as the sub-analysis, I would like to introduce an esteemed guest, Dr. Mark Rabbit, onto the podcast. Dr. Rabbit is a pioneer in the field of FFRCT and the lead author of the Evaporate FFRCT analysis paper. He is a professor of medicine and radiology and the director of cardiac CT at Loyola University. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Praveen, thank you so much for having me. All right. And with regards to your contributions to the field, many out there likely know you, but if you wouldn't mind, could you describe to us briefly your journey in cardiac CT thus far and where your academic interests are presently? Yeah. So again, thanks for the invitation to be on the podcast. You know, I'm a cardiologist in training. Early on in my career, you know, I'm board certified in multimodality imaging, so echocardiography, nuclear stress ECGs. And early on in my career, I I was getting frustrated with standard of care assessment of CAD evaluation. And I felt as though our patients deserve something better. And that's what really brought me to the world of cardiac CT. I felt as though the diagnostic accuracy, the prognostication was very robust. And this is what we really needed to do for our patients. And then once we were able to bridge the anatomy with the physiology to merge the anatomic information with the functional data using FFRCT, I really felt that that was a game changer. And it's been a very exciting journey over the years. And it's really enriched our catheterization lab experience for the patients that we take care of. Wonderful. Now, before we dive into the featured paper on this episode, which is Evaporate FFRCT, let's build a bit of background. Data over the past decade have shown that dramatic impact of ethyl on major adverse cardiovascular events, including a potential incremental benefit in patients that are already treated with statins. So can we briefly review that data in terms of the positive impact of ethyl? So cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide, and patients with elevated triglyceride levels are indeed at increased risk for ischemic events. And ethyl has been shown to significantly reduce the burden of the first, the subsequent, and total ischemic events among statin-treated patients with cardiovascular disease or diabetes and elevated triglycerides in the REDUCIT trial. However, the mechanisms driving the marked clinical benefits weren't fully known. So prior to our study, no study had assessed the impact of ethyl on coronary physiology. 
Yeah, you mentioned trials like Reduce It, and we've seen that there is a favorable impact of icospin ethyl, but the mechanism eluded us. So honestly, apart from explanting coronary arteries or invasive intravascular imaging, understanding the effect of any medication, in this case, icospin ethyl, on coronary atherosclerotic pathobiology is very difficult. Hence, the main goal here is to identify things non-invasively, enter coronary CT. So let's talk about the benefits and potential caveats of a coronary CT-based method of evaluating coronary atherosclerosis. Yeah, that's a great question. So the CHERRY study demonstrated that icosapin ethyl, in addition to statin therapy, significantly reduced coronary plaque volume. But that was assessed with intravascular ultrasound imaging compared with statin therapy alone in a post-acute coronary syndrome population. However, intravascular ultrasound is an invasive technique that's employed in the catheterization lab. So some of the major benefits of CT-based imaging is that it's non-invasive, it can be safely performed over time, and it's able to interrogate whole heart atherosclerotic burden as compared to intravascular ultrasound imaging, which is typically localized to a particular segment of a specific vessel. Now, it's important to note that these CT-based metrics are highly dependent on image quality. Totally understand. And now let's let's bring that back into icospent ethyl. Coronary CT is obviously a great tool for understanding the potential impact of any medication on coronary atherosclerotic biology, but how can we do this with icospent ethyl in vivo? The evaporate trial, as we've been discussing, described a technique for evaluating this exact aim, understanding the mechanism by which icosmin ethyl impacts CT-based coronary atherosclerotic imaging biomarkers. Let's outline the evaporate trial study design and then talk about the main results. So the evaporate trial included individuals between the ages of 30 and 80 with coronary artery disease, elevated fasting triglycerides between 135 and 499, and LDLs ranging from 40 to 115. Patients were on stable statin therapy with or without azetamide and adhered to diet and exercise for greater than at least four weeks prior to the study entry. Evaporate was a multicenter, randomized, double-blind placebo-controlled trial that evaluated the effect of icosapin ethyl four grams a day on coronary plaque progression determined by CT compared to placebo. And patients were randomized one-to-one to either icosapin ethyl or placebo to evaluate plaque volume progression rates using CT. And patients underwent coronary CTA at baseline, nine months and 18 months. And there was a significant reduction in the primary endpoint as icosapin ethyl reduced low attenuated plaque by approximately 17%, while in the placebo group, low attenuated plaque volume more than doubled. And there were significant differences in the rates of progression between icosapin ethyl and placebo at study end involving other plaque volumes, including fibrous and fibrofatty plaque volumes, which indeed regressed in the icosapin ethyl group and actually progressed in the placebo group. I mean, this in itself is pretty incredible, right? Like we are understanding the impact of a medication on the the 
changes in pathobiology of coronary atherosclerosis. And we're able to do so with a non-invasive technique with coronary CT. That said, these are all fundamentally anatomic evaluations in the initial analyses of the evaporate trial. Yes, they are describing different features of the plaque, but ultimately we're still talking about anatomy. So the question is, Beg, what about physiology? What do we know about the interplay between changes in plaque pathobiology and the impact on coronary physiology? That's a great question. So non-invasive coronary hemodynamics derived from CT and computational fluid dynamics have been shown to both be associated with and predict high-risk plaque and downstream clinical outcomes. The International Assessing Diagnostic Value of Non-Invasive FFRCT in Coronary Care, or the Advanced Registry, of over 5,000 patients across the globe with coronary disease who underwent a diagnostic strategy of CT and FFRCT demonstrated significantly lower cardiovascular death or myocardial infarction in patients with a higher FFRCT value at one-year follow-up. Now, cardiovascular death or myocardial infarction occurred more in patients with low FFRCTs or or abnormal FFRCTs, less than 0.8, compared to patients with normal FFRCT values greater than 0.8. And major adverse cardiac events, all-cause death or MI, and cardiovascular death or MI all increased as FFRCT values actually went down or decreased. So a lot of our listeners are likely familiar with some of the initial investigations of FFRCT, specifically a computational fluid dynamics-based FFRCT in simulating coronary physiology from anatomic data. But it's important to note that those initial validation studies were not in the context of a particular medication, but rather in patients with their known native coronary pathobiology, as well as whatever goal-directed medical therapy they were already on. So You know, without diving too far into the weeds and before getting into icospent ethyl, how accurate is FFRCT when adjudicated against, say, invasive FFR or other invasive hemodynamic techniques? There have been multiple clinical trials on the diagnostic performance of FFRCT compared to invasive FFR as the reference standard. The Pacific FFRCT study, which was published in JAK, the Journal of American College of Cardiology, was a prospective head-to-head comparison of non-invasive imaging. Now, 208 patients with suspected stable coronary artery disease were studied, and all of the patients underwent a coronary CTA, a SPECT imaging test, a PET evaluation, as well as three-vessel invasive FFR within two weeks. And blinded and dedicated core labs analyzed each imaging modality. And the highest discrimination for ischemia-causing lesions was for FFRCT with an AUC of 0.94. Okay, so very impressive results from Pacific as well as other analyses in terms of how accurate FFRCT is at predicting downstream outcomes. Let's now move to the the main paper that we are concerned about here, the recently published Evaporate FFRCT substudy. How was FFRCT applied to the evaporate trial data, and what endpoint data were collected? FFRCT analyses were performed at the interim data examination of evaporate, so at nine months, and at the end of the study, so at 18 months. 
Now, the pre-specified primary endpoint was the FFRCT value in the distal coronary segment from baseline to follow-up using icosapen ethyl compared to placebo. The pre-specified secondary endpoint was the change in the translesional FFRCT or delta FFRCT across the most severe coronary lesion per vessel. Excellent. I think we've been building up a lot to what we're all looking forward to is the, the main results, the main takeaways. So what are the main takeaways from the Evaporate FFRCT study? Icosapen ethyl demonstrated significant benefits in coronary physiology compared to placebo, and the early and sustained improvement in FFRCT at both 9- and 18-month follow-up provides mechanistic insight into the clinical benefit observed in the reduced trial. Furthermore, this is the first assessment of FFRCT to determine drug effect. Fascinating. So to, to recap, through the Evaporate trial and now this Evaporate FFRCT substudy, we're able to much better understand the impact of icosapen ethyl on coronary atherosclerotic pathobiology, not only in terms of how the atherosclerotic plaque features change, but also the coronary physiology. Is that correct? Exactly. Perfect. So it's important, though, to put this in the context of any limitations in the study. Could you describe to us limitations of evaporate in general and then specific limitations to the FFRCT subanalysis? Yes. So the study's primary limitation is the small sample size. Now, despite this, we were able to demonstrate improvement in the primary and secondary endpoints with icosapen ethyl compared to placebo. Now, evaporate did not assess for long-term outcomes either. Rather, it was designed as a mechanistic study to accompany the reduce-it randomized outcome trial with similar study design, inclusion, and exclusion criteria, as well as interventions. Now, notably, this is the first study to demonstrate improvement in coronary physiology and associate these improved coronary hemodynamics with improvement in outcomes shown in a large-scale clinical trial. Wonderful. So many in our imager audience are probably already applying techniques of FFRCT as well as qualitative evaluation of plaque morphology to their interpretation of coronary CT imaging. With this in mind, how can our imagers out there synthesize the information from the evaporate trial as well as evaporate FFRCT into their reports when talking about plaque morphology and plaque physiology? Great question. So an important point is that we're moving beyond stenosis. So plaque morphology, burden of disease, and intracoronary physiology as assessed by FFRCT offer significant prognostication. Now, at my institution at Loyola University Medical Center, we've been incorporating information about FFRCT for years now, and it's really helped refine the overall catheterization laboratory experience for, the, for our patients. Moving from the clinical world to the preclinical world or even clinical trial world, do you think we're at the point where plaque morphology and FFRCT-based physiology from coronary CT should be routinely applied as disease biomarkers for upcoming drug trials? I believe so. For example, FFRCT has been associated with various important clinical outcomes, 
such as the safe deferral of unnecessary invasive coronary angiography, cardiovascular death or myocardial infarction, revascularization. So considering the correlation between plaque morphology, burden of disease, FFRCT, and clinical outcomes, assessing for improvement in plaque characteristics and coronary physiology using FFRCT over time with pharmacologic therapy may indeed serve as a surrogate for treatment response or cardiovascular outcomes and drug efficacy. And um, indeed, it warrants further investigation. And our trial really paves the way for FFRCT in particular to determine drug effect and has implications in utilizing FFRCT and other non-invasive hemodynamic metrics derived, for example, from computational fluid dynamics to assess various treatment responses. Awesome. Mark, I think this has been a super comprehensive and super interesting conversation. Do we have any final thoughts before we close? Praveen, you did a wonderful job with this podcast, and thank you for the invitation. Of course, thank you, Mark, for not only coming onto the podcast, but contributing to the science and helping us out there further understand how to help benefit our patients with this phenomenal technique in coronary CT, as well as analyses from FFRCT. So thank you very much, Mark. You're very welcome. To our listeners out there, of course, thank you for tuning in. If you like what you hear from us on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. That is how others out there interested in this stuff find us too. Once again, this is the Donut of Destiny. Cheers. Cheers.